We've got takeaways from the new depth chart and a little bit of a defensive preview to go with the offensive one from earlier in the week. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco brings you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at bright.co forward slash locked on. That's bright, B-R-I-T-E dot co forward slash locked on. Today on the show, um, the main topic is going to be the defense. We're going to go over what's different here. What, what do we have to get to know? How all of the players are going to kind of fit into it? Sort of a general defensive preview. But, of course, title of the show is what we're going to start with, which is the depth chart. The Vikings released an unofficial depth chart. It's unofficial. It's not going to necessarily be something they behold themselves to, but it does have some surprises in there, and I do want to quickly discuss them. So let's dive into it. I think the one that a lot of people are talking about the most, and maybe the only surprising starter, is Jonathan Bullard being listed as a starter at defensive end. Um, That does make sense with, like it was, everybody had Armand Watts to be penciled in on there. Um, and the Vikings listed as defensive end. I'm talking defensive tackle. This is Dalvin Tomlinson and Armand Watts, and James Lynch is listed in that. It's that position. Um, but here's the thing. Um, when Armand Watts got cut, I went back and watched a bunch of Jonathan Bullard preseason film. And yeah, the dude balled. Like, I think we didn't notice it because it's not a very sexy position, but I think he really earned that. Um, I, I don't think this is a, a like galaxy brained roster flex thing. It's probably a little bit of a cat move. Um, I don't think Armon Watts was like function was worse than necessarily. Um, and so I do think the cap sort of factored in like contract factored in a little bit, but Jonathan Bullard played really well. I don't know. I think he just earned a job. Good for him. Um, like I, it's Occam's razor here. I don't think that there's anything special going on there. I don't think it's like secretly Ross Blacklock or some other plan. I also think that this is a very rotational job. Um, You're going to have a 4-2-5 nickel, or call it a 2-4-5-3, two Zedarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, two linebackers and five. That's your nickel. Um, And only when you're in base, so only against two tight ends and two running backs and bigger packages, are you even going to see this this, 50-line type guy on the the field. And so this is as much a starting job as Chandon Sullivan's job is a starting job, right? Where it's like, you're going to kind of rotate in and out in that, or as, you know, Lewis seen might out snap Jonathan Bullard at the end of the day. Um, That doesn't necessarily make either guy more or less important. Um, But just know that the stakes, like this is not an every down role that is being discussed here, but there are other things on this depth chart that are interesting. Uh, Jalen Rager is the, 
um, is the punt returner that I guess we sort of anticipated and, and probably explains like why you traded what like paid what they paid for him. Um, Cause paying that much for wide receiver four or five is not uh, really so much the move. They also have him listed as the fourth wide receiver um, as quote unquote backup next to KJ Osborne and Jalen or next to yeah KJ Osborne and um, Jalen Naylor is the fifth guy. And that's kind of what I guess we expected. So there's that. Um, they do this the way that they list it. If you're like on equal footing, you know, they're like the, the starters are Christian Derisaw and Brian O'Neill. They don't have an and in the backups. So they really listed that Alexander Madison, Kenny Wangu, Ty Chandler, um, implying that if Cook goes down, it will be Alexander Madison being the main focal point and not as much of a split. But always these things are fluid, right? Is it what it, what does it mean to be the main guy? 70, 30, 60, 40, 80, 20. Yeah, what's it going to be, right? For your fantasy purposes, your handcuffing purposes, um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, Austin Schlotman listed as backup center and not Chris Reed. That was a battle going on all of camp. Those guys were basically trading reps. It seems like at some point in the preseason, they decided that they were going to go with Schlotman in that role. Um, and I do think he earned it. He had a very nice camp. And then the last one that's really interesting here, Caleb Evans listed above Chris Boyd and Andrew Booth. Now, Andrew Booth missed a ton of camp being hurt, and that can't have helped his case um, for ascending in the depth chart. And I also think that like, and this is kind of a pre-draft thing, Andrew Booth is going to be worse to start than like anybody because of the way that he plays. But the thing is, his problem is a, a, a fixable-ish one. You just kind of have to teach him how to time himself. Um, you can listen to my like po- immediate post-draft takes for, for more detail on that. But suffice to say, he goes early a lot. He gets flagged a lot. Um, and then sometimes he goes late, but he always goes and he's very confident and aggressive. So you just have to teach him how to time it. But before he learns how to time it, that's going to lead to a lot more negative reps and a lot more catastrophically negative reps than the way a Caleb Evans is losing rep. When a Caleb Evans is losing a rep, it's because he's playing it a little too conservative. And that means stuff's going to be in front of you and you can tackle and you can limit plays. So if guys go down, I'm going to put that on the field before I put in Mr. Dice roll in <laughs> Andrew Booth. But for the future, if you can get Mr. Dice Roll to know when to roll the dice and when not to, that can actually be a really, really powerful thing, like starting quality corner. I think he's got a better chance to become that than a Caleb Evans does. Um, So don't be alarmed by Evans being leapfrogging Andrew Booth on the depth chart. I think that makes sense right off the bat, like week one. Um, That tracks with at least the way I saw them. And the way that I saw Andrew Booth was as a guy I would take in the first round, understanding that he's like not going to be ready to go year one. Um, and then, of course, there's the health, too. But him, Evans leapfrogging Chris Boyd is really interesting. Chris Boyd had a fairly volatile preseason. I liked what I saw in the preseason. I liked what he did more than I liked what Evans did, but it was close and it's subjective. Um, so I don't have any issue with that or anything like that. But I guess good for Caleb Evans. If uh, somebody goes down right now on the outside, if Peterson or Dancer goes down, that implies that a Caleb Evans is the one that goes in, and that's a bit of an upset. So let's talk about what these guys do. Um, let's get into the defense. I want to get into the scheme and this Fangio-style scheme. I've talked about it a lot on this show, so some of this might be repeat for you if you've been listening all summer. If you haven't, then tune in. We'll catch you up. And also talk about how players like Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter fit in, how players like Lewis Seen fit in. Um, to these roles and hopefully kind of understand what they've built here makes a lot of sense to me 
And I want to kind of explain why, like, okay, every piece, I see its place and it, and it all makes sense what, they, what they're building. Will it work? Who knows? But I see what they're angling at here. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about Brightco. Brightco is a watch and jewelry insurance company. So if you're going to buy something nice, uh, you're going to get a nice ring, perhaps, to ask a little question or two. Uh, or just like an anniversary gift or something, whatever, you know, a nice birthday gift for, for that special someone. And then you lose it. Your bag gets lost. Or uh, like the thing that's on screen right now, a, the, you, you propose in a canoe and then the canoe tips over. This will happen. This happened to these people, apparently. <laughs> Don't let this happen to you. Get your insurance. Now, look, insurance is a big old pain in the rear end. And Brightco knows this. So how about two minutes on the phone? That's it. Bright.co, B-R-I-T-E dot C-O forward slash locked on. No excuses for any of this. Five bucks a month, two minutes on the phone, and you are protected against all this kind of nonsense. Don't make this the story. Make the story be that you actually had it covered. That is once again, bright.co forward slash locked on. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Hey, for your second listen, or maybe watch, go check out the history documentary. Parts one through six, as well as a prologue, are up on my Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL. It spans the history of the Minnesota Vikings. It is a seven-part documentary series, and it is TV episode length. This is a season of TV that I made, uh, lengthwise at least. <laughs> And it, I, I poured everything I had into it for basically this entire calendar year. I would love it if you checked it out once again. That's patreon.com slash NFL. You can find everything posted there. Part 7 goes up on Saturday, but if you join me on Patreon, you can find it early by a day on Friday. Um, okay, so let's talk about this scheme. So we talked about the illusion of complexity on Monday's show where I did this same exercise but for offense. And the idea was, okay, we've got like six or seven sort of staple concepts and we can run all of them from all the formations. Every formation has its version of each of the six or seven concepts, which means whatever formation you get into, the defense can't glean any information from. Really similar stuff on the defensive side. So if you understood that, then you're going to have an easier time now. Um, but basically, the defense looks the same every time. It pre-snap, the defense will always, or at least the coverage, fronts will change. But the coverage, and specifically the safeties, are going to be too high every time. You might remember a very similar thing from the 2018 Rams, um, the Super Bowl Rams, that they were in 11 personnel every single play. They almost never departed from it. And what that meant was that it was really hard for defensive coordinators to get their play calls in because they had a package set up for year 12 and a package set up for 21. Like that's how they install their defense at the beginning of the season. But you get up against the Rams and you don't know which plays to call because you don't know like, hey, you know, they come out with two tight ends. They tend to run this package of plays. So here's our defense for that. But you don't you can't organize anything. So you have to just kind of be constantly picking from your whole playbook because they are constantly picking from their whole playbook. And it made things really hard. Um, really similar idea on this Fangio style defense. Everything is always hot, two high safeties, two deep safeties. So if you're a quarterback and you're trying to look at that and you're trying to say, okay, what am I doing? Should I check into a run or not? Or how's the box going to look? Well, you don't get to know till you start your cadence. And by then it's too late to change the play. 
the disadvantage of that is that, well, you got two players pretty far away from the ball, less guys in the box, and it's easier to run on you. And for one, you're just kind of okay with that. If that makes you better in the past, it's probably a trade-off you take. But for two, they have ways of mitigating that. And that's the, the holy grail for all defensive coordinators is how do you play too high in coverage and get a gap back in the run game and, and like replace that player that you had to take out of the box to put back in coverage, right? If you can get an answer to that consistently, you just solved football. For the Fangio-style scheme that we're going to see here in Minnesota with Donatel, it's a lot of weak rotated safeties. Specifically the weak side, and the reason for that is because of the way that run plays tend to work nowadays. There's a lot more run plays headed to the weak side or kind of hoping there's not one extra guy on the weak side, just the way the numbers work out. It's a meta game thing. Um, But that weak side safety will rotate down. And so that means if you are going to call a coverage that is a single high coverage or a middle of field closed coverage, uh, so that means you're going to have a safety in the middle of the field and the other safety can do whatever he wants. That guy just kind of starts to play hanging back a little bit. And then whatever he actually does do, he runs to it right before the snap when he starts hearing the cadence. That's kind of the deal. And so if you think about like any coverage that the Fangio system can have, and there's probably three of them that you need to know really intimately, there's cover six, um, and it's sister coverage, cover eight, which is the same thing, but flipped also known as quarter, quarter, half, half, quarter, quarter. That means cover four on one half of the field with two deep zones. Um, and usually they'll actually do some like match concepts. So a little bit of if he goes into this part of the field, then I cover him with man, man, man coverage techniques. So not like landmark zone, uh, like old school, you know, drop back, watch the QB's eyes, not that kind of coverage zone. Um, but cover four as we've come to know it and release really a lot of similar stuff to what Zimmer did on that half of the field. And then on the other half of the field, cover two. That's kind of how it goes. And then which is on what side? It depends on the play call and all that. There's your cover six. And then there's, of course, cover three. Very often, it's weak rotated cover three. So again, you start in two high safeties, and then one of those safeties comes down into the box or down into an underneath zone or whatever you're going to have him do, and the other one plays the middle. And then he's one of the three deep defenders in cover three, and then the two corners are the other two, and then you're running cover three from there. And then the, the big old side of beef, the real delicious stuff, the uh, the filet, the, the good wagyu is cover one. Um, cover one is what Fangio defenses want to be doing. And if you can have corners that hold up on the outside, if you if you can handle their receivers and you can just man up across the board and cover that way, that frees up players to blitz, to poach, to lurk underneath and try to get interceptions, to do all sorts of wacky stuff. There's your three coverages. But the thing is, whether you're in cover one or cover three or cover six, those two high safeties are always going to start up top. And then they will run to whatever their job is. Um, That makes it really hard for quarterbacks to figure out what they're doing. And it also requires a lot. You need a lot of burstiness. And you may have noticed, you may have seen something about how this draft and offseason, the Vikings have prioritized players with explosive 10-yard splits in their 40, which means they get up from 0 to 10 yards very quickly. That first 10 yards of the 40, that's a lot of burst and acceleration and explosion. And also, like if you do any explosion composite scores, you probably would have done a really good job of predicting who the Vikings would be interested in. So that's when you start to include like the jumps in the combine. Like this is the kind of athlete they want, bursty. They want guys that are 0 to 60 real fast and can get from point A to point B or at least get going toward point A to point B really, really fast, even if they don't have the best top end speed, but very often they do anyways. Um, a lot of fast guys, a lot of bursty guys, a lot of downhill players. 
Seen, Booth, Azamoa, all these rookies, the thing they kind of all had in common, and even a Caleb Evans to a point, the thing they all had in common was they were really good at backing up and playing off and playing a really conservative position because they could accelerate and get downhill really fast. Um, and with in the case of Booth and Seen especially, they would make that decision quickly. So they would really they give you eight yards of cushion, and then if you were going to try to exploit that by throwing it really quick, they could come downhill and be in your face immediately. That looked like it was a really important thing, and it's because they're going to have to do that, especially if Lewisine starts or if he plays any bit of safety, and it seems like he is going to rotate in a good bit. He's going to have to start out far away from his job, and he's going to have to go in to where his job is. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the fronts, too, and kind of generally how it's going to work. But first, uh, let me talk to you about Daily Fantasy. Daily Fantasy sucks, and it's not very fun. The way to win is by going with, like, incredibly weird corner cases and saying doing stuff like Adam Shaheen will be the best tight end in the league this week and hoping that that actually bears out. That's not fun gaming. What I want to do when I play a Daily Fantasy game is I have a few players and then just, like, live and die on those takes. That is where prize picks comes in. Two to five players, more or less than this or that, you know, touchdowns, yards, that kind of thing. And you can just play that out on an individual basis. Do it piecemeal, a la carte, if you will. And they have NFL, uh, basketball, baseball that you can play on. You can download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code locked on. That means if you deposit 100 bucks, Prize Picks gives you an extra 100 bucks. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks gives you 50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, so we talked a lot about the secondary, and a lot of which coverages you're going to see from the Vikings is going to depend on if Cameron Dantzler and uh, Patrick Peterson can hold up, and what those safeties can do in terms of Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum. It, can they get downhill, and can they disguise what they're doing is a huge question, and that's why my first when I first started learning about this, I was like, oh... They're really hyped on Harrison Smith, I bet, because all he does is disguise what he's doing. And that's just a dream. It's like a perfect match. Um, and, you know, can Cam Bynum do the same thing and, and be bursty and be decisive? He has been in camp. We'll see if that holds up, you know, when the bullets really start flying. Um, but what about the upfront? What about the the pass rush and the, the run defense and all that stuff? Um, again, it depends on the personnel and all that. But the real crux of this, especially in base, when you do have like five defensive linemen up front, and yes, I am counting Hunter and Zedaria Smith as defensive linemen in that count, um, is that you don't know which guy's coming. And there are a lot of coverages that they called in the preseason, and I do think they're going to do this a lot based on how much they called it in the preseason, where it's kind of one of those um, outside linebackers, one of those edge guys drops back into coverage and then the other one goes, and then hopefully you've overloaded a side. And so what you'll get is, let's say, you know, Daniil Hunter is rushing and Zadarius Smith backs off. Well, Zadarius Smith, pretty scary dude. Hopefully they've left at least one guy over there to, <laughs> to block him, right? Or two guys over there to block him if they're really worried about him. And then you have a three-on-three -three on the other side. Um, you know, the center goes and blocks a tackle. The guard goes and blocks a tackle. And then you have a tackle one-on-one -on -one with Daniil Hunter. Well, that was probably the whole goal. 
And that's just vanilla, right? That's just vanilla base. You didn't do any blitzing or anything. That's a four-man rush, and it's super vanilla. But that's sort of where they live. Um, uh, other, like, pressure calls are... It's a lot of, like, memorization. Um, and I'll be honest, like, the the themes of it vary so much thing to thing that it's not really conducive to a, a place like this. But um, here's what I'll tell you about it. A lot of this will rely on Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith moving around the formation because what you get with these fronts, and they didn't do any of this in the preseason, but this is probably what they're going to do. And we've even heard um, Hunter and Zadarius Smith talk about this. And Zadarius Smith did this in Green Bay with Mike Pettin and Mike Smith, who are now here. They're going to move around the front. They're going to move around the formation. Um, and that's going to further complicate things, right? Because if 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 Zadarius Smith is just on the edge and the quarterback can just look and say, okay, one of these two edges is dropping off, I have two quick outs called or two little stick routes called, and whichever one doesn't have an edge rusher drop off, I'll just throw at that. Or whichever one does have an edge rusher drop into coverage, I'll now throw, I now have a wide receiver running a route against Zadarius Smith or Daniel Hunter. I'm going to throw at that, and that's really easy. And a lot of that happened in the preseason. My hope is the way that they don't, uh, the way that they kind of complicate that is with this stuff moving around. Because suddenly, what if it's Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter both mugging the A-gap? Will one of these guys drop out? I mean, those are the guys to drop out. But what if you have like a base end, like a Jonathan Bullard, and he's the one that drops out? And you weren't looking at him at all. Now, what these guys actually have to do, because I mean, Jonathan Bullard is not a coverage player, right? But they're not covering in the traditional sense. They're doing a landmark zone. They're doing, they're just practicing it. Okay, you line up, you look like you're going to rush and then just go hit the hash mark five yards back. They can do that, right? Anybody can do that. And just be in the spot and the hope is that you're not tested, right? Um, But be in the spot, watch the quarterback's eyes and hey, if they don't see you, they might throw at you and, you know, we're going to drill you to do that backpedal interception drill and they have had those guys do that um, and see if you can't get a play that way. And that's really, that's the best outcome, right? Is that they didn't see the lineman and you totally tricked him and they just threw it right at a defender. You don't get that very often. <laughs> um, but that that's what you're hoping in the the skill set of, of those guys. And then what that also means is, you know, if you want Zedarius Smith to go up against anybody, he played that rover position in Green Bay, uh, which is he basically studied tape, picked your worst offensive lineman, and then told him, all right, I think it's the right guard, and I'm going to attack the right guard all day. Uh, and the the Packers would just adjust their fronts to say, okay, well, all of our fronts, Darius Smith is in that B gap and is going up against the right guard all day. And whatever, like, sixth round, whoever you thought you were getting away with now has to go up against an all-pro all day long, and he's going to get his ass kicked, and it's going to be the worst day of his life, and that's the point. To do that, you have to have guys that can also move around the formation. And so Harrison Phillips is a great example, or, or Dalvin Tomlinson, who will probably be the ones on the field you know, most often. Harrison Phillips is the nose. He's listed as the nose. But a lot of their friends don't have a zero technique, like a nose tackle. A lot of them have like two two eyes, um, two technique tackles, so between the center and the guard. Or you'll have even two, three techniques if it's like a wide front. You do this on third down and long a lot where you're not worried about the run at all. Well, then just like forget the meat of the offensive line. Have everybody wide now. You have two, three techs, two, nine techs. And who is what, who is lining up where can be a variable thing that moves around. And so it's going to be very fluid and different and everything is going to be sort of a play-by-play decision. Which front am I coming in? Who is going to be where? And why are we doing it? It's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Um, but the key you have to know is that because Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson and Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith can all 
move around the line and line up at many different spots across the defensive line that enables them to do a lot of weird stuff. And then the last thing is how this interacts with the coverage. Um, because again, you have, usually you're going to have, especially in base, you're going to have somebody dropping into coverage. Who's not very good at coverage. So you're going to have somebody doing a low zone, a low spot drop zone. And having a low spot drop zone be part of it is then going to dictate what happens behind it. Right. Because what happens behind it, you know, that guy can't carry anything vertical. So you have to have that, uh, uh, that has to be handled, whether it's the cover two side or the cover four side. You're never going to ask Daniel Hunter to carry anything vertical. Um, and so that needs to be accounted for. And that's going to interact a lot with the coverages. I think the coolest thing here is the possibility of three safety. Um, the, not the inevitability of three safety. They're going to run it. That is Lewis Seen, who they're very excited about. He's just a tick slow right now. Um, he's like a half step late to stuff and he's very, very close to being an awesome, awesome player, but he's just a tick slow. But what you can do with him right now, if you wanted to have three safety is, um, Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Lewis seen, and then two corners, right? So this is a nickel package. It's like a, call it a big nickel if you might, if you want. So somebody is going to be up in coverage that can be Cam Bynum who played corner in college. So he's got at least some experience and some instincts there. He's very much better and at home at safety, but sure you can do that for him in a tricky uh, coverage call. And then Harrison Smith up. Harrison Smith can also play like up in the box. And then you have two safeties deep or something like that. You can do a lot of different things here. But one of my favorite things is having that weak side quarter safety. So imagine the quarter side is in the weak side. You'd call it half quarter quarter. This is a really big thing for Fangio defenses. You They're calling a lot of half quarter quarter and then having one of those safeties rotate down. That guy will be Lewis seen. So he will be the inside safety on the quarters side and the quarters side will be on the weak side where the tight end is not. And he will rotate down. That will be big on the, uh, on run plays and you kind of utilize his skill set in that way. But also that's where you put a poach safety a lot of the time. So poach coverages, it's a quarters thing. And there's a lot of other words for it, but poach is the one I know because of the Zimmer study that I did. That's Zimmer's word for the like Saban word for it. anyways. Um, the poach safety means you're on one side of the field, but you're actually helping the other side. And so one side will be cover two, and cover two has a lot of weaknesses. So let's say they try to throw it up the seam against cover two. You got a half safety, I'm going to throw it right up the middle of the field. Well, the poach safety's job will be to watch for that, break on things, and intercept them. So you could see a world where a, a rotational Lewis scene actually makes more plays on the ball because they're using him in tricksy ways. That's a little bit scheme enabled, but his skill set might just be good enough to do that even when he's not quite as on time as we want to uh, to everything. That's what's exciting about the, the defense. Now, this is all going to hinge on if those guys can hold up on the outside. None of this stuff matters at all if you just get killed by a go ball over Cameron Dantzler's shoulder every six plays, right? Um, and that's what I'm worried about against the Packers in particular, because Aaron Rodgers will find any tiny little bit of separation and their wide receivers while they're missing Devontae Adams a lot. It's not like they're the bears. So they've got player dudes that can play. And we'll talk tomorrow about that with Peter Bukowski crossover Thursday. So this is how this show is going to work from here on out. Every Thursday is going to be crossover Thursday. Every Friday is going to be bold predictions. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll probably be recapping uh, the game Twitter Tuesday will still be a thing though. So it'll be whatever you guys ask is what we talk about on Twitter Tuesdays. So 
We'll talk to Peter tomorrow. I will see you then. Check out the history doc. Check out the ultimate uh, pro football preview. You can find it on Odyssey, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. That's very fun. Uh, I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.